Um, if you're just starting to join us, we're in the middle of our series on Christmas carols. If you want to grab your program, open it up. There's an outline there that I'd love for you to fill out. Um, if you're watching online, we emailed you a program. You can uh, download that, or you can just upload it to your device and, and fill in the answers with your, with your finger there on your uh, iPad or your iPhone or whatever it is you're using. Every Sunday in December, we're looking at a different Christmas carol. Uh, we started... Um, my goal in this is that we can kind of discover, rediscover some of the meanings behind these Christmas carols so that it can help us to understand or remember uh, the real meaning for the season. We started a couple of weeks ago with O Come, All, o, o Come Emmanuel. Um, then last week we looked at O Holy Night. Um, today we're going to be looking at uh, O Come All Ye Faithful. So the secret, I guess, is if you want to write a Christmas carol that's going to last through the test of time, it needs to start with the word O. It needs to start with O. Next week, we're going to look at O, away in a manger. I'm going to add that. O, away in a... It works. It works. I don't know why it's not already in there. Um, O, come all you faithful has been a Christmas carol in close to its current present form for like 300 years. Um... The words and the lyrics go back even further than that. They tell us that it was written in Latin back in the 13th century. There's a lot of discussion about who actually gets credit. We don't really know for sure. Some people have credited St. Bonaventure. Um, some people think it was a Portuguese king. A lot of scholars point to this group of sister and monks who wrote the lyrics. Um, we have no idea for sure who really wrote it. But we do know that it was put to music and sung as a Christmas carol for the first time in the mid-1700s. So that's before the Revolutionary War. So you can imagine, just like we see those guys with the, with the drum and with the flute, and they're playing Yankee Doodle or whatever they were playing, that those were probably some of the instruments and the organs that were used um, in the mid-1700s uh, where they started singing this beloved Christmas carol. One of the reasons why it became so beloved worldwide is because it's so easy to sing. It has all this vivid imagery, and it was quickly translated into every language in the developed world, and that's one of the world's most popular Christmas carols. If you go to some foreign country that they don't speak any English and you started singing this, they'd recognize the tune and be able to start filling in the words in their own language because it's, it's so prevalent worldwide. Um, the first two lines of O Come All You Faithful says, O Come All You Faithful, Joyful and Triumphant. Faithful, Joyful, Triumphant. I want you to focus on those three words because the Bible says that Jesus' birth, the birth of Christ, brings faith, it brings joy, and it brings victory. But the truth is, we don't always feel that way, even as Christians, do we? I mean, even at Christmas time, sometimes we feel more faithless or more joyless, and oftentimes we feel defeated. Maybe for you, Christmas isn't like this warm, fuzzy, Hallmark movie kind of a feeling. Maybe that wasn't your family of origin that you grew up in. Maybe... Um, Maybe Christmas doesn't even bring back the best memories. Maybe there's a lot of, uh, a lot of bickering in your family or some squabbles there or some stress or some conflict. Um, maybe you come from a broken family. Many, so many people do today where Christmas, what you remember about Christmas is whose Christmas it was and how I got 
shuffled from this house to that house and to this set of grandparents to that set of grandparents and the grandparents we never even saw all year, but all of a sudden they're there on Christmas kind of a thing. And it was always just kind of a reminder to you that, man, things aren't the way that they, that they could be or maybe even that they should be. Um, or maybe you, maybe you used to feel joy at Christmas. You grew up and when all the kids were home and you had those special times, but, but recently, in recent years, Christmas hasn't had that spark, that specialness that uh, you felt like you've been going through the, the motions. and Maybe you've even lost your joy, questioned your faith. That's why today I kind of want us to discover or maybe even rediscover the joy and the triumph and the faith that we sing about. Because Christmas is a time where a lot of people tune back in or reconnect with God. Maybe you haven't been in church in a long time. But here in the Christmas carol, something draws you. Maybe you even feel like, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even know why I'm tuning in for the first time. I believe it's because God's got a message for you today. And I hope that this Christmas, because of this, what we're going to talk about today, will have more meaning for you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is what I want to start by reading you. And this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And this is what Paul, Paul says in, in verse 17 of chapter 5. He says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, that's those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. I want you to circle the words new life on that verse there. Just go ahead and circle it on your outline. Paul says there's a new life. When you connect with Jesus, a new life happens. And we need to understand that that's the whole purpose for the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus' birth is the culmination of God's plan. goes even before the fall in the garden. God had a plan from the very beginning to give all of us the opportunity to, to begin a relationship with him, an opportunity to receive this new life, to accept this gift that he gave us that first Christmas. God wants to give you this new life, and he wants to give you the faith and the joy and the victory that goes along with it. So in the middle of this crazy holiday season, the holidays are always crazy, aren't they? But have you noticed that this holiday is taken crazy to a whole new level? I mean, have you been to Home Depot and tried to buy a Christmas light? Home Depot is empty. Walmart is empty. I bought the last two lights at home. I walked into Home Depot and I said, where are your lights? And they said, well, they were over there. And I look over there and there's like two lights left. And I'm like, these don't match anything in my house. These don't even work with my stuff. So I felt bad taking the last two lights. Because who knows, somebody might have been able to use No, I, I left those. It's been a crazy, crazy Christmas. There are basically stuff you're ordering right now online that you're not going to get until next Christmas. They're just not going to tell you to December 24th. They're going to send you an email and say, oh, we're so sorry. We're not coming. It's a crazy, crazy Christmas. Even We can't even get our food to Haiti on the container. There's a worldwide shortage of these containers. You know why? They're all full stuck in some shipyard somewhere waiting to go. It's funny when the guy told me, he said, we can't guarantee when it will get to Haiti. And I kind of chuckled. I said, since when have you all ever guaranteed when it would get to Haiti? You know, Haiti's always been, it's a crazy, crazy time in going through their customs. 
So we're experiencing just a craziness in the season, and Jesus wants us to just kind of take a deep breath and think back to, in spite of the craziness, what's the real reason? He wants us to think of this new beginning, this fresh start, that the reason why there is Christmas so you can have a do-over on your life. Whenever we put our faith in him, he says, I'm going to bring you new life. I'm going to give you new life. So I want you to jot just a few things down on your outline. I want to talk about this new life that Jesus offers you, that when you become a Christ follower, when you accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, Jesus brings new life. The first thing I want you to jot down is Jesus brings new life, number one, when I trust him for salvation. If you want new life, it begins with this. You can't skip step one. It begins when I trust him for my salvation. Remember, Christmas is a celebration of Christ's birthday. It's really an, an observation of the birth of our Savior, the birth of Jesus, our hope. Our God becomes a human being, and he, he, he is among us. He came so that you could have this new life we're talking about. Jesus was born so that we could be reborn. And here's what I mean when I say the word reborn. We were all born once, physically born. And the problem is that we were born into a, an earth, a planet, that was already broken and already sinful. A sinful world. And because of that, we have this natural propensity to sin. We will sin. All of us have sinned. And that sin, the Bible tells us, separates us from God. It breaks God's plan, his original plan, and it separates us from God. Because God's perfect. He has no sin. There's no fault in him. When we sin, we separate ourselves from God. But God has created us and he has a plan for our lives and Part of that plan is for us to be reconciled, for us to have a relationship with him. When we turn our back on him, when we sin, anytime we don't do what God's best is for our life, that's sin. And that separates us from his plan for our life. So our relationship with God is broken from the very beginning, from the moment we're born into this sinful, broken world. Because of that, the birth of Christ, the reason Jesus came is he came to take away our sins. That's why we talk about it that way, to give us a new life. He came to reconcile, to restore this relationship back with God, the relationship we were meant to have with God. So Jesus says that we can be reborn spiritually, even though we've already been born physically. This new life that Christ gives us is a free gift, and it costs you absolutely nothing, costs us absolutely nothing, because Jesus has already paid for that. We'll talk about that in just a second. He paid for the entire thing with his death on the cross and overcoming death, hell, and the grave at the tomb. So, just like any other gift, when you receive a gift, we've talked about this, you have to, you have to open it. You have to accept it. How do we open this gift that we keep talking about in the Christmas seasons, this gift of new life? Romans 10, 9, Apostle Paul again, he writes and he says in verse 9 and 10 of chapter 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, you trust in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith 
that you're saved. When we believe in our heart or we trust in him, in our heart, that Jesus is raised from the dead and we decide to make him the leader of our life, the Bible uses the word Lord, the Lord of our life, that's how we receive God's free gift of salvation. That's how we're reborn spiritually. That's how we receive this new life and the joy, the peace, and the victory, the hope that comes with it. Now, some of you, some people watching here today, probably, you need this new life. You need forgiveness for something that you've done in your past. You need the peace that can only be found in Jesus. You need a greater purpose for the rest of your life, for your future, than just the plans that you've had for your life. And obviously, you need eternal life with God one day when you leave this world forever in heaven. So for a moment right now, I just want to I just want to focus and talk to those of you who haven't stepped across the line of faith yet. You've never trusted Jesus for your salvation. You're not sure if you've taken the right steps to be made right with God, to be reconciled with God, because maybe at some point you didn't even know that you needed to do anything. Maybe you've always grown up and you've always thought, well, you know, I need to be good if I'm going to have salvation or if I'm going to get to heaven. Somewhere along the line, someone told you, you know, good people go up and bad people go down, and that might be okay theology to tell a three-year-old, but at some point you've got to unpack that and go, what does that mean exactly? And you thought, well, I'm, I'm just going to try to be a good person. I'm going to live a good life, a moral life, and I'll be fine. And, and so you've been doing that. You've been trying to be good. You spent your whole life doing some good things, hoping that that counts in some kind of cosmic accounting system. And you spent your whole life, though, probably wondering, have I done enough to please God? Have I done enough? Did I do enough good things to make God happy? And you've always had this nagging doubt in the back of your mind that, hey, um, maybe, maybe you've had this fear that, that you're missing something. So I left some space on the bottom of your outline. See that big section of white? Um, I'd like you to write a couple of words down. If you, even if you don't ever take notes, I just want you to write down one very short word in all caps. I just want you to write the word DO, D-O, capital D, capital O. Just write down the word DO. Because maybe you thought that's how you make it right with God. I've got to do something. That being right with God was more about being a good person, and it was about what you do. But I want you to see that salvation isn't about what we do. Salvation isn't about the things that we do because you can't do enough to earn salvation. And that's because that sin in your life that separated you, it can't be overcome or you can't break through that sin by doing things. In fact, if you've been trying to do enough things to earn salvation your whole life, probably, like many people, you're exhausted and you're tired. Because it's just not enough good things you can do. In fact, if you try long enough, you'll burn out. Some of you probably experienced that. You, you tried and tried and tried to do, 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 do enough good things. And at some point, you just got tired. You're just like, forget it. It's not worth it. I, I, I never feel good enough. I never feel like, like I'm worthy enough. I never feel like I've, I'm right with God. You've been trying to prove it to yourself. You've been trying to prove yourself to God, to others. The good news is that salvation isn't about what we do. It never has been 
about what we do. It's about what Jesus has already done. So I want you to take your pen again, and I want you to put a slash through the word do, and to put another slash through the word do, and make an X. Just X out the word do on your outline there. Just draw a line through it. And now I want you to write a different word. I want you to write on all caps the word done. D-O-N-E. Write it down. Scratch out do. Write the word D-O-N-E. And I want you to do this, and I want you to see this with your own eyes, in your own brain. I want you to watch your own hand. Scratch out do and write the word D-O-N-E. Because everything that has happened for your salvation has already been done by Jesus Christ on the cross. It's already done. It's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has done. You see, it's possible to do a lot of good things in this world. You can do good things your whole life and miss the entire purpose of life. It's possible to be a good person and miss out on heaven. It's possible to be a very, very, very good person and miss out on a relationship with God because you don't earn a relationship with God and you don't earn heaven by doing good things. It's a free gift that's been given to you that Christmas 2,000 years ago. All you have to do is receive it, to accept it, to open it. Maybe you've been looking for purpose and you've been looking for joy and you've been looking for victory. Just like the song says, you've been looking for that through success and you've been looking through that through, through family and you've been looking to that through maybe your job or in a relationship or in money or in some other kind of, kind of way. But for some reason, you just keep coming up a little short. You just keep coming up empty. There's this emptiness. And that's because nothing in this world will will fulfill that spiritual emptiness that we have within us. No person can. Only Jesus can do that. So on that first Christmas, when God stepped out of heaven and he came to earth in the form of baby Jesus, he came offering us hope and joy and eternal life as a free gift something that he was going to take care of. Jesus has already done all there is to do. So if you're here today or you're watching online today, and again, you don't even know why you're watching online. I think it's because God wanted you to take a pause and to realize that he loves you and he has a plan for your life. And he doesn't want you to put that off any longer. That today is your moment to accept his free gift of salvation that Jesus is offering you. In fact, he even says it this way in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So I want to take just a moment right now and pray for those of you who have never accepted God's free gift of salvation. Would everybody just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a quick minute? And let this just be a time between you and God. And if you're here today and you want to begin that new life that Jesus offers, I just want you to pray in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. You just think these words and say this. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. You probably wouldn't be here if you didn't already believe that. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you came into this broken world that first Christmas to give us hope 
and joy and peace. All of us can pray. Everybody can pray that. And I believe that you died on the cross and that God the Father raised you from the dead. Now here's the real prayer where you cross over the line of faith, where you decide I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this new life. Pray this and say, Jesus, today forgive me of my sins, past, present, and future. Can you make that your prayer if you've never prayed that? Jesus, forgive me of my sins today from my past, my present, my future. And I invite you into my life to be my Savior and Lord. Can you make that your prayer, Jesus, today? Forgive me of my sins, past, present, and future. And I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord from this day forward. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, Jesus says if you prayed that prayer, that he brings you new life. First, like I said, you can't skip this step. I've got to trust him with my salvation. Jesus brings me new life when I trust him with my salvation. The second step, the second thing he does is he brings me new life when I fill this out. When I talk with him about my problems. When I talk with him about my problems. Let me ask. When you have problems and fears and worries and anxiety, who's the first person you talk to? Do you have that one person that you can go and you can talk to? When things aren't going right in your life, who do you talk to? Who's the first person you go to? Maybe it's you got mom on speed dial. Maybe you call mom. Maybe it's your spouse. You talk to your partner and, and you, you unload or you tell them what you're... Or maybe you've got a best friend, somebody that's always there. Who is the first person when it comes to worry, anxiety, fears, and problems? Because when we live the Christian life, often our life can be full of fears, anxieties, and worries. Now, here's what's happened. We, we've talked about salvation, about becoming a follower of Jesus. And, and when you accept Jesus as your Savior, and you ask God to forgive you of the sins and the mistakes and your baggage from your past. Man, that is like a high moment. That's like, oh, I feel all this guilt. I feel all this relief has just, has just washed over me, and this guilt has been shed. And we begin on this high note. We think that this new life, this new faith, this new joy, this new victory that we get from Him, everything... Sometimes we think everything's going to be easy from now on. Has anybody thought that before? You thought to yourself, now that I've become a Christian, now everything's going to go my way. I'm going to walk in the convenience store and all the lottery numbers are going to, they're just going to appear in the cloud right above. I'll know the numbers. You know, I, I'm going to walk into the office and everything, all the problems are going to be, all the problems are going to be gone. And everything's going to go our way. I hope none of you bought into that. I know sometimes you turn on one of those TV kind of guys and they're like, if you just give your life to Jesus, everything will just be perfect from then on as long as you send me a lot of money. That's usually what they add to that. You never heard me say that because here's the thing. We, we sometimes we think, well, if I become a Jesus follower, then I, God will take care of all my problems. I've actually heard people say to me, Jerry, ever since I've, been a, come a, I've become a Christian, you know, I still have problems. Things have gotten worse. And, and uh, I don't even know if it's worth it to give my life to Jesus. Because all the things that we, that we were dealing with, all of our fears, all of our problems, all of the sins, we thought they were going to be gone. But what we discover is we find that our daily problems are still here that we still struggle with sin, that we still 
have things that we worry about. And so we begin to ask ourselves, you know, well, where's the joy Jerry was talking about? Where's all this peace and the victory that we sang about? And, oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, where's my triumphant? Maybe you're here today and you've recently given your life to, to Jesus and you kind of feel that way sometimes, that you're, dis- you're surprised to discover that you still have problems. It doesn't feel like your life's gotten all that much better. In fact, it can get worse. I want to encourage you, don't let the weariness of the world, we talked about the weariness last week, or the burdens of the world, or the doubts of the world, don't let that rob you of your joy. Because here's the truth. Following Jesus, accepting Him as your Savior, is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for all your problems you've ever had. We're still going to incur, encounter challenges in our life, even though we've become a follower of Jesus. And a lot of times our life will even be harder. But whoa, 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 nobody mentioned harder. I, I always say, well, have you read your Bible? Have you read about the guys who followed Jesus, who accepted Jesus? Their lives just didn't turn into, you know, happily ever after. Some of them lost their lives for following Jesus. And people are like, whoa, hey, 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 hey. Nobody says anything about giving up their life. Oh, yeah, Jesus said, he first says, come and see. And then he says, come and follow. But he's moving us all towards come and die. Lay down your life. And you're saying, whoa, why would we have to do that? Because that's what he did. Our Savior, as we follow him, he teaches us to lay down our life for others. I was like, that's way different. You said I just get, it's a free gift, and, 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 I, and I get everything, and you do, and you need everything. But understand, part of his plan is for us to follow him through. Here's, here's why things get harder. First of all, when you start following Jesus, he leads you down a path that's harder than the one everybody else is on. Most of the world's on a different path, but the easy path. And, and, and when Jesus says, no, we're going to go this way, you're tempted to go, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Everybody's going that way, Lord. And he's going, yeah, but we're not going that way. I'm not going that way. But, but, but this, is, this is steeper. This is harder. This is more difficult. Jesus says, yeah, come follow me. I'll help you. I'll be with you. So, yeah, but, but, but that's easier over there. And Jesus says, yeah, but I'm the Lord and I'm the Savior and I have a plan for your life. Come follow me. So following Jesus has never, ever, ever, ever been supposed to be easier than what the world's following. The other thing is, by the way, second reason why it gets harder to follow Jesus is because <laughs> when you start following Jesus, you start waking up to the fact that you didn't even know you had an enemy. And now you're doing God's working in your life. He's doing stuff through you, and all of a sudden your enemy Satan raises up his head and says, Oh, we're going to... I'm going, to stumble. I'm going to put a stop to this. I'm going to cause you to stumble. And you didn't even know you had an enemy. You're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Nobody said anything about an enemy. You know, I thought there was just like a baby. I just, I just worshipped a little baby Jesus boy. A drummer boy, play him a song. And, and it's like, you, you, what are you talking about? Enemy? No, you've always had an enemy. The enemy's not new. You, you, you just, <laughs> you, you just jump side. You were on his side before, and now, now you know, oh, I have an enemy. Yeah, because of the enemy, because it's a harder path, this following Jesus thing is not something that's easy. But here's what makes it doable. When The good news is when you put your life in Christ, when you receive this new life, you're no longer alone. 
you're walking with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You now have an advocate and a helper. You now have the all-powerful God who's working in you and around you, who cares so deeply for you, for whatever is going on in your life. And that's why, although the path is harder, the journey is so much easier because not because of the circumstances around you, but because of who you're in it with. Storms of life still come. But Jesus has the power to calm the storms. The problems of life still come, but the Holy Spirit has the ability to get you through the problems, even if those problems last a long, long time. We'll talk about that in a second. It's God's desire for all of us to bring him our struggles and our pains and our burdens. Don't take my word for this. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7. You can take Peter's word. He says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Give all your worries and your cares to God. You see, this is what I love so much about God. Sometimes we get this image that God is afar off, way off in the distance. It's because some of you have been, giving your, you've been getting your theology from Bette Midler songs. That's a horrible place to get your theology. God is in the distance. No, God's not in the distance at all. God is personal, up close, and walking with you. We talked about that two weeks ago. Emmanuel, God with us. So God isn't afar off. He cares. He's not way up in the heaven, not paying attention, dealing with world events. That's not true. God is a personal God who loves you enough to send his own son. You realize God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. That, that's hard to get your head around. In fact, God at one point said, to, said, if I've got to choose to live eternity without Jerry and not send Jesus to the cross, or I send Jesus to the cross on the chance Jerry and Seminole would accept Christ as payment, I'm sending Jesus to the cross to die and suffer and take on the sin of the world on the chance that I will respond and you will respond. That's how much God loves us. He loves us as much as he does Jesus. He came to earth as Christ to live among us, to show us how we should live our lives, and then to die on the cross so that we could have eternal life and we could have and experience new life today. The same God who did that for you wants you to bring him your worries and your fears and your cares, no matter how big and no matter how small. There's nothing too big for God, and there's nothing too small for God. The same God, he wants you to bring those to him. In fact, one of the reasons why Jesus came and lived among us is that Jesus could look at us and he could say, look, I understand the big, big, big problems you, you experience. I lived them. And I understand the little, little problems you're experiencing that you're struggling with because I lived it. And because of that, we can worry less and we can trust God more. One of our favorite verses around here is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I won't read you 6, 7. And all the, there's so much, so much in that passage, I only have time to cover the first two sentences. You should have this one memorized already. Don't worry about anything. What? Instead, pray about everything. In other words, talk to God about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He's done. Pray, 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 pray about everything. Talk to God about what you're going through. The big, the bad, the big, and the, uh, and the small. The good, the bad, big and the small. Because when you talk to God in prayer, Jesus is with you. He will strengthen you. 
He'll give you wisdom. When's the last time you prayed for wisdom? He'll give you courage. He'll give you the peace that passes understanding. That's what it says later in these verses. But you may be like, well, what about Jerry? You know, what about when I ask, 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 and I don't get what I ask for? Or I pray, 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 and I don't hear back from God. My problems don't go away. I pray and there's only silence. You ever felt like that? I know people who are like, I've prayed three times, or I've prayed three Thursdays, or i prayed three weeks, and, and, and we have a tendency to give up and quit. It's in those times when God is silent. It's in those times, those dry times, when we're tempted to give up, and we let go of the victory, we let go of the faith, we let go of joy. What do we do then? Here's what First Peter tells us. Keep on doing what is right. Would you circle that whole phrase? Keep on doing what is right. In fact, go ahead and underline keep on. As you circle the whole phrase, then underline keep on. And then put a star by what is right. And trust your lives to the God who created you. For he will never fail you. Sometimes a problem doesn't go away. Sometimes the answer doesn't come in the time frame that you want it to come in. You know the time frame we all want it to come in, right? Now. That's our time frame, God. From the N to the W. Now. You know? And sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers now. And you thought, well, what? I get whatever I want. You know, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ. Well, I get whatever I want. God says, no. I'm God. Jesus, I'm Lord. So I'll answer the prayers when and how. I see best for you and for my glory. And God is still there working around you and through you even when the answer is not yet and sometimes even when the answer is no. I mean, he's always there when sometimes the answer is no. So if you're suffering right now and you're facing problems right now and you feel overwhelmed right now, don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't quit. And I'm not saying don't give up, don't lose hope, don't quit, because by 5 o'clock today he'll answer, or by tomorrow morning he'll answer. I'm saying you don't give up, you don't lose hope, you don't quit, no matter how long it takes. Some people you pray year after year after year after year for healing, and God doesn't. I've had people over and over, they prayed for years for healing, and God didn't heal them, he died. To which I always say, is he healed in heaven? Well, yeah, but that doesn't count. It counts to him. He's healed forever in heaven. And we don't like it when God answers our prayers that way sometimes. It just shows how much, you know, we're like teenagers, right? We want, we're like, some of us are toddler Christians. I want what I want now, right? Some of us are teenager Christians. You know, we get all mad at God when God doesn't give us, you know, our answer by Friday night. So keep on Keeping on. Keep on doing the right thing. Keep on leaning into Jesus. Keep talking to him. Keep doing what's right. And trusting the God who created you. Because he is in control. And he's going to work out your problems for your best and for his glory in his timing. So I talk with God about my problems. And Jesus brings me new life. I trust Jesus with my salvation. He brings me new life. Third thing. I experience new life. He brings me new life. When I turn my future over to him, when I turn my future over to him, not only my present troubles to Jesus, but I turn tomorrow over to him. His, the future is tomorrow, next week, the rest of the year, 
next year. For most of us, the most appealing part of coming to Jesus is we get help with our past. We get forgiveness for our past. All of our mistakes, all of our past sins. Whew, I feel relieved because I get to get rid of that burden, the shame, the guilt, the inadequacy, the failure, the sin. But even though we're, we're, we want to let go of our past, what we have trouble letting go of is our future. God, you take yesterday, but I want to have a say over tomorrow. I want to be in control of my future. Now, we trust God with our distant future, don't we? That's easy. Eternity, once I have my hundred years here, then God, you, you can have the rest. I want to be with you for all of eternity. Because all the alternatives, that's the only one that I want. So we're good with our future, but when it comes down to what my decision is tomorrow or next week or next month, man, I want to hold on to that. It's very natural to want to have control. We want to make our plans. We want to fulfill our dreams. We, we trust Jesus with our future, but for the next few years, for the next few decisions, you know, I want, I want to control my job, my finances, my family, you know, my decisions. And here's the thing. God wants to bless your life in a big way. He wants to open up a door of blessing. He wants to bless, but he can't when we're holding on to things, holding on to my job. I'm holding on to my finances. I'm holding on to my family. You know, I've got to hold that one here. I'm holding on. I mean, it, it, we spend our lives just trying to hold everything. And God's like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to surrender those things to me if I'm going to bless them. God, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to forgive my past. I want you to take care of eternity. But, you know, I want, I want to do my plan for the rest of my life. And as long as you're holding on to those things, the things that you, you want to control, he wants to bless you. But until you give up 100% access to your life, he can't, or at least he won't. Jeremiah 29:11 says for you know for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord there are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope read you this verse every week God says I'm your creator I created you for a specific plan and purpose and you keep trying to do your own thing and your own plan and your own purpose, but you weren't created for that plan and that purpose. And that's why you have all kinds of frustration and failure and all kinds makes you empty and miserable and frustrated. And you're going to end up disappointed in life because you weren't created for your plan. I created you specifically for the plan that I know that I have for you. And you can either learn to trust me with that or you can keep living for your plan in your life and have the empty life that you, that you have now. Or you can learn to trust me with your job, and trust me with your finances, and trust me with your decisions, and trust me with your family. Trust me with your relationships. Trust me because I love you, and because I know what's best for you. You see, we say, well, you don't understand, God, I lost my job. And God says, you know what? I know the plans I have for you. We say, well, God, you don't understand. The love of my life just dumped me or just betrayed me and walked out on me. And God says, but I know the plans that I have for you. You say, well, God, we've been trying for years. We just haven't been able to get pregnant. God says, I know the plan I have for you. Well, God, I'm just so depressed. I just feel like giving up. I don't even know if I want to continue on with this life. And God says, hey, 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 I know the plan 
the plans I have for you. Well, God, I'm just so afraid. I just don't know about the future. I just don't know what, what the future holds. God says, well, I do. And I know the plans that I have for you. So let me just be clear. Some people, some of you are missing out on some great things that God wants to give you. He wants to open up some doors. But he can't if you continue to hold on to your future with clenched fists. Or he won't. He wants you to trust him. Open up your hands and present those, those areas of your life. I mean, you come, you've been trying to do it your way. You come to church every now and then. You give to the Salvation Army kettle. You're, you're a good, good person. You know, you, you adopted an orphan. You know, you, you helped your, you gave up your last two Christmas lights to your neighbors so they could have some. And you're a good person. But until you're willing to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life and open up 100% and live for him, your life is going to have a lot of frustration and meaninglessness. We sang that Christmas carol, Come All You Faithful. I love the line that says, Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Because when we think about the nativity, sometimes that's the opposite of how we portray it, right? We think of baby Jesus. We think of, you know, the nativity. Is, we talked about this last week. It's just this perfect place. You don't, you don't buy a, a cave nativity set that's all filthy, dirty. Nobody would buy that. So, so you buy the one that's, you know, it's the wooden stable with the hay, and it seems so warm and cozy. And you got Mary and Joseph, you got baby Jesus, and baby Jesus is, you know, he, he, he's all swaddled in his swaddling clothes, and he's comfortable, and he's cozy, and he's just kind of safe. But realize this, that when that baby was born and it was just a few hours old, he was already the king of angels. He was born as an infant, but he was already the king of kings and lord of lords. He was the alpha and the omega. He had spoken the world into existence before that night in Bethlehem. He's the author of our faith. Now, we, we come to this little babe in a manger, but Jesus wasn't that babe for very long. He was the God of creation, and he came as the savior of the world to take away our sin. The bread of life, the light of the world. And when we sing, O come let us adore him, O come let us adore him, O come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Because he is our Lord is why we adore him. We don't come adore him because he's a cute little baby. We come to adore him because he's the Lord of lords and the Savior of the world. And when you accept Jesus for who he really is, not accept him as a little baby that was born 2,000 years ago in a barn somewhere, but you accept Jesus as the Lord of lords, the Lord of your life, that's when your old life dies and your new life begins. In Romans 6, 4, Paul writes and says, And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live New lives. There it is again. Jesus came on Christmas so that you could live a new life. So that you could have joy and you could have faith and you could have victory. When you accept him as your Savior and Lord, even though life isn't perfect after that, you get peace, faith, victory, joy. You get Jesus. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? 
And again, let this be a time between you and God right now. I want to pray for those of you who are already Christ followers. Maybe you're, maybe you're a new Christian and you just started this journey. Or maybe you've been a Christian for 20 or 30 or 40 years like me. I've been a Christian for over 40 years. But you would say right now, you know what, Jerry, we sang that carol, but that carol's not about me. I, I'm, I'm not faithful. I'm not triumphant. I'm not joyful. Listen, God wants to give that to you. So right now, whatever you're going through, maybe there's a problem in your life, maybe a problem. Maybe there's a worry in your life. Maybe there's a fear. Would you just talk to God right now about that and say, God, I'm afraid of this or I'm worried about this. Or God, you know this is my problem. You have this moment right now. Maybe you haven't talked to God in a long time. Maybe you're sitting in your living room and it's been a long time since you've talked to God. Or for whatever reason, you haven't prayed. But right now, you have this opportunity. Tell God your fears. What are you afraid of? Tell Him your worries. Tell Him the problem. And ask Him for help. The way you ask God for help is you say the word, help. Help me, God. No matter how big your problem is or how small it is, if you're worried about it, just say, help me, God. Because he cares about it. Tell him right now. Then listen, if there's any area of your life that you've been holding on to, you've been clenching it in your fist, and you haven't trusted God with your job or with your finances or with your marriage, or you haven't trusted God with your, with your decisions or whatever it is, he can't bless that as long as you're holding on to it. Whether it's a relationship, a career, a dream, whatever it is, would you be willing to just open up your hands and turn it over to him? Say, God, you are my Lord. Jesus, you are my Lord, and I'm going to give you control. There's so many things that he wants to show you, so many things that he wants to give you, to bless you with, but he can't if you won't allow him. And turn your future over to him. Let him be the Lord of your life. Heavenly Father, thank you for stepping out of heaven, sending Jesus to teach us who you are. Thank you for coming to earth. Father, thank you for this gift of salvation, this gift of a new life through your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. I want to thank It's Mel. If you haven't had the opportunity to visit our Christmas village yet, I hope you'll make plans to check it out tonight or next weekend. Be sure to bring your friends, family, and neighbors and make some lasting holiday memories. Hope to see you there. Have a great day. See ya.